Ignite Impact Podcast. I am Tracy Purdy, and I believe that people are placed into our lives at every step in our life journey to be an integral part of our story. Here on the podcast, we will talk with individuals who have influenced me, helped me grow, nurtured me, inspired me, transformed my thinking, and enriched my life, and will do the same for you. We will be covering a variety of subjects, so stay tuned to be inspired and encouraged. Today, we are visiting with Susan Juno. Susan is a wife to John for nearly 38 years, mother of three amazing grown children, grandmother to a beautiful granddaughter, and two precious grandsons. She is currently the president of the board and the co-managing director at Magdalene's, a local nonprofit organization that exists to inform the public about the reality of sex trafficking in our own community and to assist adult women survivors of sexual exploitation. She has also been on the planning and organization for bringing other opportunities to spread the love of God to women throughout our community. I am so excited for you to get to know Susan Juno. Thank you so much, Susan Juno, for joining us today to help and inform about the various ministries and nonprofit organizations that you are in or have helped to get started. Can we start off by sharing where you're from and what your background is? Were you born and raised here? No, actually. I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Ah. And my parents and my five siblings and I relocated to New Orleans, Louisiana when I was five. Okay. So I was actually raised in New Orleans and then the suburb of Metairie, Louisiana. Adam is from Slidell. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Small little world. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Yeah. And then what brought you over here? So my <laughs> husband and I married in 1985 um, in New Orleans and then on the promise of a really good job in Pennsylvania. Pensacola mm -hmm. the next year we moved here and the job never really panned out but we loved the area mm -hmm. so we decided to stay and start a family here in the Pensacola area. That's awesome that is so cool. Yeah. You seem to have such a passion for women and women's ministry have you always felt a calling to minister to women? So actually no like a lot of women I had a lot of rocky experiences with women early, you know, the mean girl thing in mm -hmm. middle school and high school. And I've always had some close friends, but I didn't trust women a whole lot. And so really it was probably in my 20s when I started having children that I recognized a real need for true deep relationships with women in my life and so I started to as I grew as a believer I think I realized the importance of that deep true connection with women and so as I started to do bible studies and participate in children's ministry at my church in my 20s I I started to have a different perspective on on women's ministry and realized that that was something I really needed in my life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I guess it was in my, in my mid to late twenties that I decided I wanted to be a part of um, enriching the lives of other women and helping women to know that you can have safe, fulfilling relationships with other women and not be hurt by them. Mm, yeah. 
I feel like that's so important to be heard for sure. It, that's hard, especially yeah. I feel like as we grow older and are adults, it's harder to and have children and have lives. Like it's harder to make those deep connections with women a priority for I, sure. I think so too. And I think especially because we as women have so many insecurities that, that come through in our relationships. And I, I think through spiritual maturity, you can let go of a whole lot of those things. And when you do, when we become less hiding, less, I guess, hiding, yeah, guarded, true, guarded, yes, and become more vulnerable, we can have incredibly rich relationships with women. I agree. And, and finding those safe places where you can actually be authentic about how you feel, things you've gone through. Like, I feel like that is such a needed space oh, for women. For sure. You know? So from what I've learned about you, you've been involved in women's ministry for over 30 years at whatever church you found yourself mm -hmm. at. But in 2018, you and a friend started a ministry at Community Life Church called Fifth Thursday. What was the purpose of this ministry? Can you tell us about how that came about? Sure. So uh, we became involved in Community Life Church in 2012 after we moved to Gulf Breeze. And I was looking for some good Gulf Breeze friends. I had some wonderful friends in Pensacola, but I wanted to become entrenched in this community. So through Bible study and being plugged in at the church, I I met some really incredible women and one of the dearest ones to me was Nani Dorsey and we were just so grateful for our group of of godly friends and talked about so many other women who who probably weren't experiencing this and really should so we decided to do something to include more women in this safe relationship building with women and and we we decided to plan a safe place for women to gather is what we decided that it would be. And and honestly, it wasn't just that we decided to do this. I think God kind of laid it on both of our hearts to do this at the same time. And as we started talking about it, it just blossomed into this thing we were calling Fifth Thursday. And our plan was that we would once a quarter, whenever there happened to be a Fifth Thursday in a month, we would have a woman's event and we would call it a safe place for women to gather and go deeper with God, but also make connections with other women. Mm, it's beautiful. I've been a part of quite a few of those, and they are wonderful experiences. Think of like mini retreat. I mean, it's for yeah. a night, but it, it feels like a retreat, and you leave refreshed and encouraged and empowered, and you bring in different speakers, and it's wonderful food, and it's just a great time of gathering and fellowship. So I'm so glad that God laid that on y'all's heart and yeah. that you were obedient in that. And you also helped to bring about if tables, right? What is, what right. is that about? So, so as we started doing our fifth Thursdays and hearing from women over and over and over how much they were craving something like this and how they looked forward to the next one, um, we thought, wow, there's an opportunity here, um, for women to have even more connectedness than just a once a quarter yeah. gathering. And so um, there is a group called IF um, out of Dallas, Texas, started by Jenny Allen. Mm -hmm. So this IF table was a ministry that they came up with. And it's like nationwide, right? Or it, it is. is. It? Oh, yeah, it is is nationwide. And I and I think I can safely say it's global. Right. Too. But anyway, the premise is for you to get a group of women to meet once a month for two hours 
you discuss four questions hmm. and six or more women to be involved in this small group, but always you should break bread together. Mm, so over a meal. O- and- over a meal and just getting together once a month. And so we love the idea so much that we pitched it to administration at CLC and said, we'd really like to introduce if tables to the ladies. So we did that. Gosh, that was probably back in 20, 2020, I guess we started if tables at CLC. And it just seems to have grown and grown and like, oh yeah. Now there are over a hundred women wow. involved in if tables in our area that have originated at CLC. Not all the women that attend an if table even go to our church. Oh, um, wow. In fact, I am getting ready to start a new if table in my neighborhood and I'll just invite the neighborhood ladies as a way to go deeper in our relationships, yeah, not just be just casual acquaintances, but yeah. So right. I feel like there's something about having, we, we all have so many surface relationships, but having those relationships where you can deeply connect and challenge each other and in a safe place. Um, I think that's super, super cool. In our Bible study on Thursday night, we were actually talking about how there is such a need and how women are craving to go deeper in their relationships with each other. Actually, like do life together, not necessarily getting together and just doing a Bible study. There is a place for that, but like doing life together all while continuing to grow deeper in their relationships with the Lord. How do you envision being able to reach more women to connect in this way? Like continuing to add more if tables or? Absolutely. I really do believe that um, the best parts of life happen in community. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen that with if table. In fact, I, I have an if table that includes my daughter and my two daughters-in-law. So, oh, so cool. we meet once a month. So the conversation we have around the four questions that we're presented with each month is totally different than the conversations I would have with the ladies in my if table in my neighborhood, right? Ah, because, yeah, you know, in my neighborhood, we're socioeconomically similar. We're about the same age. Whereas with my daughter and my daughters-in-law, they're younger they're newly married or with children so it's more I think of a mentor mentee relationship Mm. so so anyway I think that that this is a beautiful concept it's a beautiful way for women to to go deeper in relationships so I would love to see us expand if tables I think it's just a great way to do that in fact we recently had one of our fifth Thursday events last month at CLC and it's uh, we hosted the if gathering which Mm -hmm. is an annual conference um, put on by the if team and at our if gathering there were 12 ladies who signed up to be in an if table and then five ladies who signed up to say they would be a leader of wow so So you know that need is there absolutely women get excited when they hear about something like that. So mm-hmm. so for me, I would love to continue to expand and see um, more of those grow. Yeah, absolutely. Is that is that always going to be a once a month thing or do you think that that could ever develop into something more than that? Sure, I think that as women maybe start out in a once a month gathering naturally We'll want to gather close, together. Yes, closer relationships will develop where they actually are doing just what you said, doing, doing life together. together mm-hmm. Where couples might get together or families will get together yes uh, 
Oh, and yeah. it'll just happen organically as you're doing that life together. Absolutely, I think that's so cool. Something else that you said that I have seen in probably four different episodes of doing this is the how community and connection happens over a meal. Yeah. And I was witness to that even last night at church when they hosted the, uh, we had a legacy dinner where they were discussing the, the future plans of our church. And I met a woman who I had never met before. And she was sitting with my crazy family <laughs> at dinner last night and we connected. And it was so something about gathering around a table and sharing a meal with people just brings people together. I think it's really cool. It does. I, I don't know if you um, attended one of our fifth Thursdays a couple years ago when we had a guest speaker, Jen Schmidt. She wrote a book called Just Open the Door. And it was a book about biblical hospitality and how mm. God calls all of us to open the doors of our homes and our hearts to invite other people in. And she talked about Jesus being the greatest example of biblical hospitality. Yeah. Like he sat down and had meals with people. He provided for thousands of people on a hillside where they sat down and broke bread together. He did that, I think, as an example to us. And there's just something about sitting down and eating. It it just kind of helps take down some walls. It people does. relax they and do. Uh, open up a little bit more. I agree. I agree. I think that's very, very cool. And I hope that that ministry continues to grow mm -hmm. like it seems to be. I think it will. <laughs> Would you share with us a little about the jail ministry? Was it a jail ministry that you and your friend went to? So actually birthed out of our fifth Thursday gatherings, our um, core little group of women who were just so grateful for the relationships we were building and seeing God move among us. Um, we... We dreamt about um, including other women. Like we were having about 200 women attend our fifth Thursday mm -hmm. gatherings once a quarter, but we knew that there were plenty of other women who were not able to. And and we thought about incarcerated women. I'm not sure why we thought about incarcerated women, but we thought, wow, what if we could like pipe in our fifth Thursday gatherings to the jail? So women in those situations, marginalized women or hopeless women or hurting women, might see that, that, wow, there is a way to connect with other women that is safe and life-giving. Mm -hmm. So we actually um, reached out to the Santa Rosa County Jail and asked if we could come for a visit. So they set up an appointment with us to meet with the chaplain there. Mm -hmm. And so we sat down with him for about an hour. He took us on a tour of the jail. And I don't know if you've ever been to, to been. a jail before, but it's nothing like I expected. It's not like maybe you've seen in the movies where like everybody has their little cell and they're, they might have a, a, you know, a bunk mate or something. It's not like that at all. In fact, there were two huge rooms, each of them just filled with women. Wow. Um, and all the beds were just out there in the open. Like there was no private space. It was, um, it was sad and and I couldn't help but think what it must be like to be one of those women. And and actually what I did was I pictured my daughter there for some reason. Mm -hmm. And Becca was a 20-something at the time. And I thought, what if something had happened and my daughter found herself in this space, how terrifying it was. And so all of us were just really, we were shocked and um, wanted so desperately to, to find a way to maybe go into the jail and do some kind of a Bible study or mm -hmm. pipe connect our program with and connect yeah. with them. 
and we just were unable to, um, for whatever reason, um, we just couldn't get into that space. But I do remember as we were leaving, the chaplain said to our little group of ladies, he said, if you really want to do something to help these women have a place for them to land when they're released from jail. We also learned that they're released from jail at midnight. What? To just wherever they, they can say they, they can go. So if you can imagine some of the women that find themselves in jail for whatever reason to be released, probably if they had a great safety net, they would have never been in mm-hmm. jail in the first place. But it just broke our hearts for women who might be released at midnight with no place to go. And what are their alternatives Mm -hmm. for making a life for themselves, making enough money to survive. So we started to do some research and decided, okay, well, maybe we could have a home for vulnerable women to come and land after being released. And so that kind of led us to... To the beginnings of Magdalene's journey. To the beginnings of Magdalene's, yes. That is so cool. I was unaware until doing some research that Florida ranks third... Mm-hmm. in the U.S. in human trafficking yeah. cases, which is a $150 billion industry. That's not okay. Right. <laughs> I saw where the most prevalent form of trafficking in our area, yes, it happens where you live too, <laughs> is a person being trafficked by members of their own family, which is mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing that the media doesn't seem to make the public aware of how dire this situation is and doesn't give any type of education for the people to know what signs to look for and how to potentially help someone that they believe is in a situation of trafficking. Why, in your opinion, do you feel like the media and local governments, like they don't want to make people aware of this? I wish I could answer that question. To me, <sighs> that is the million dollar question. It is. Um, we know that it's happening and it, it is so easy to find data. If you could do a Google search and your mind would be blown just like yours in, mm-hmm. in just finding this little bit of information, how prevalent it is, uh, especially in our country. It's so interesting to me that um, I can be talking with somebody about Magdalene's who's unaware and they'll say something like, oh yeah, so it's, um, it's the women who are brought across the border, right? And, and they're sold. And, and I said, you know, that is a little bit of trafficking. Yeah. But that's, I mean, there's so much more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are unaware and I'm not exactly sure we've wondered about law enforcement, even here in Santa Rosa County, you know, we have tried to reach out to law enforcement and see how, you know, can we get some statistics? Like how many women are arrested for prostitution um, that is likely linked to trafficking? Or what are the statistics for trafficked women in our area? And we simply can't find that information. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why. I understand that in Escambia County, um, they're doing a little more. And, and I, I imagine in Escambia County, there might be more trafficking going on than in Santa Rosa. I'm, I'm not, I couldn't really say because it's hard to get statistics on that. But also, I, I think maybe there's a lot of shame involved mm. in, in trafficking, especially, like you said, familial trafficking is, is what we mostly see in our area. And so that could be a mom selling her 
child, which uh, wasn't too long ago. I guess last year there was a woman right around the corner from our little gifts and gatherings, Magdalene's Gifts and Gatherings, who was arrested for selling her daughter, putting her on a plane, sending her to Texas, and her her middle-aged school daughter selling her. Oh my gosh. So it's crazy that that's not, that, that people don't know that. Like it is, it's crazy. So will you tell us about the local event that happened in our area that led to the opening and kind of the birthing, right, of the Magdalene's Gifts and Gatherings and the home. And sure. Everything. So so as I mentioned, we decided that we, we could do something to help trafficked women. We, we thought, let's, let's open a home and we'll have a, a long-term program to help survivors get back on their feet and, and acclimated into society and have a better life. But in the process of that, of the dreaming, the praying, the planning, the starting of 501c3, which is an incredibly arduous um, (laughs) uh, experience, there was a a little local massage parlor uh, right there on Highway 98 at College Parkway. And uh, it was raided by the FBI and local law enforcement. And the proprietor of that illicit massage parlor was arrested and charged with prostitution and trafficking out of his some of his locations. So even though he was arrested and put in jail, that massage parlor continued to operate just under a new management, I suppose. But it was a really seedy place. And for several of our women in our little team, we just couldn't get over the fact that things like that were happening right here in our backyard. So we started praying over that building and felt like God laid it on our heart to go and actually do something about it. So a group of us approached the owner of the building and asked her if we could possibly take over the lease on that building. Mm. We weren't even sure what we would do once we got it, but... Uh, so anyway, she agreed and told the operators of the massage parlor that, you know, their lease was up and it was time to move on. And so it took a while for that to happen, but but they did close up shop and uh, we opened up a precious little, what we call Magdalene's Gifts and Gatherings. And so it's a beautiful little gift shop and we sell a lot of survivor-made products so and cool. uh, local art, but also it's a place for gathering. We like to have... Um, different kinds of events and Bible studies and the gardens have been restored. Uh, so so we have garden events. And so it's kind of our social enterprise, we think, for raising money, but also raising awareness yes. for human trafficking. Our sign says, end human trafficking one gift at a time. And it's amazing how many people have come into our little shop when they see the sign who have told us about their experiences of being trafficked or or someone that they know and love being trafficked. So it's been a great place for people to come and be educated about trafficking. Yes, I saw on your website where it says, we sell so that women aren't. Exactly. That is so cool. Ending human trafficking one gift at a time. You sell artisan designed products for a purpose, which I think is so cool and oh it's beautiful do y'all have the rings in right oh, yeah. now yeah so we have blessing rings that's kind of I still um, I need to come by and get one oh, I haven't done you, that yet you do I love we have these beautiful rings and and our shop manager Deb Atchison she has been 
purchasing and giving these beautiful little blessing rings away for decades. Uh, and that is one of our most popular products. It's kind at, of a signature. Yeah. It really is. It's and really... so um, those rings are prayed over and mm. people give them all the time for, for gifts. Uh, it's, it is not unusual for one of our ladies who's wearing a blessing ring to meet a stranger and somehow they strike up a conversation and, and the woman will take the blessing ring right off of her finger and put it on the ring of this, <sighs> of this new friend and just say, I just want you to be blessed. And it happens all the time. There are so many incredible stories around the blessing rings. That's so cool. I love that the gifts and gatherings is managed and staffed 100% by volunteers. This is true. That's unbelievable. So if someone local would want to volunteer Mm -hmm. or be a part of getting involved in the gifts and gatherings, Mm -hmm. how would they... How would they go about that? Sure. So so as you mentioned, we are totally staffed by volunteers. We have over 70 wonderful wow. volunteers, <laughs> some who volunteer once every couple days, some who might volunteer once a month. But anyway, it's it's super easy. So you can go to our website, which is magdalens.org. And there is a little button that you can click on to volunteer and you'll have to do a little background screening and um, complete an application. But we would love to get you plugged in if you're interested. It is a beautiful place to meet other mm-hmm. incredible women. Um, if you've never been to Magdalene's Gifts and Gatherings, you should go because the minute you walk in the door, you will experience incredible love. We call it a sanctuary and it really mm-hmm. is. It is a place of beauty and peace and love and you can't help but want to be involved. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. For those that don't know much about human trafficking, what is something that that you wish you could tell people to be knowledgeable about? Wow. Well, I think just to know that so many women become victims, and not just women, truly, it's mm-hmm. it's men too and, and children, become victims of human trafficking because they are vulnerable. Maybe they come from a, a broken home, an abusive relationship, and to know that even if a woman is a stripper in a, in a strip club, because so many women who, who find themselves working in a strip club also find themselves being trafficked, that a woman doesn't choose that lifestyle except to say that that might be her only option. So many people will look at women who are involved in prostitution or illicit activities and think, oh, well, they just choose that. They that's, chose that that's, life. That's just what they want. But the truth is their options are so limited. No one would choose to be sold and abused repeatedly. Y'all, women who are trafficked, one of the things that was so startling to me was the uh, comparing it to the selling of drugs. People can sell a drug one time you can sell a woman sell a woman's body 40 times a day what yes so that's women, alarming. women who are <laughs> who are victims of trafficking would never choose this so i think we have to change our mindsets we cannot think of women who might find themselves in these situations a woman that you see and you shake your head she doesn't want to be in that place mm. yeah gosh that is startling <laughs> wow 
last year you guys were able to open Magdalene's house, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little more about what this home will provide and what your goals are for that? Absolutely. So in June of 2022, we purchased a home in the Gulf Breeze area to be Magdalene's house. And our plan was to have a long-term residential program for women survivors of sex trafficking, uh, completely free of charge, where they could come and um, experience love and food, safe housing, education, all kinds of classes, financial uh, literacy, things like that. We have partnered with Pensacola State College and Hope and Health Clinic in Escambia County, as well as Interfaith Ministries here in Gulf Breeze, Mm -hmm. many other organizations to help women survivors of sex trafficking. And in October, we actually did have our first two residents come and stay at Magdalene's house. Yes. And so they were with us for a time, a little over three months in their journey towards hope and healing. They have now moved on to other stages of their recovery, but we find ourselves with no one in our home at this time Mm -hmm. because we are sort of reassessing the needs in our community. We're not a hundred percent sure that a long-term residential program is what we need in our area. Okay. So we have been meeting with lots of other organizations in our community and in the state who are also doing work with human trafficking survivors and trying to find out where best to use our resources to help as many women as possible. Mm. So we're kind of reevaluating what that's going to look like. like. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that's very cool that you felt like you needed to reassess Mm -hmm. and you're praying and seeking the direction that God wants you to go in that and being good stewards in being able to help prepare and provide that restoration and sanctuary or whatever that may look like for those people. Absolutely. Um, What are some challenges that you've run into in Magdalene's house or even in gifts and gatherings? Sure. Well, one thing that has not been a challenge has been volunteers. As I that said, is so we have incredible. over 70 volunteers who are just eager to help in every way possible. So that has been wonderful. You know, it's been interesting um, making connections with other nonprofits and other people who are working in the realm of sex trafficking. It's very interesting that sometimes people are not wanting to cooperate as much as as you would think or collaborate Collaborate as much as you would think. And I think a lot of that has to do with limited resources because Mm. especially caring for women can be very expensive in programming. So that's been part of it. That That's probably most of it is finding good ways to collaborate with other organizations. And that is one to, of- To reach further. To, to yeah. reach further. And so that has been a big focus of Magdalene's is- trying to bring all the parties to the table. Mm. So um, so we have spent a lot of time in the last few months. Since February, we hired a new executive director for Magdalene's, and she is really helping bring all the parties to the table. We, we see that as being a huge hurdle that instead of all of us working in silos, if we were to work together in collaboration, we could do incredible so things yes. to change to change the landscape in our community and in our state, truly. That's, yeah. Oh, that's really, really cool. I'm glad that y'all are on the path to trying to bridge those those people together yeah. in that way. 
for people that are listening that aren't local here, is there a way that they could help Magdalene's in any way? Well, definitely if you're if you're coming to visit if you're not from the area and coming to visit please come check out our precious shop on mm-hmm. highway 98 and gulf breeze but also go to our website you can learn a lot about human trafficking from checking out our website um, certainly you can give to to magdalens there's also a donate button because not only do we have our little shop and in our home where we look forward to having women again but we're a big referral source so many people reach out to magdalens because of our shop and our sign and now just our reputation in the community for referrals so go on our website we have links to other organizations that we're affiliated with that can help educate you about trafficking and how much it's impacting people in our community and in the world we look forward to this year we call 2023 the year of education and Mm. awareness for magdalens we look forward to hosting some community events our hope is to be able to even have some events in schools because so many young people are vulnerable to trafficking especially through social media mm-hmm. now. So we want to bring education and awareness to our community. And so you can help be a part of that. So check out our yeah. website. Yeah, we'll do that. And I will put that in the links below this for sure. I just want to say thank you so much for you and your friends obeying the prompting to do something. You know, we so often get these revelations of oh that would be a great idea but you guys took that step to actually do something and following the direction that the Lord has called you and the women who are making such an impact in our community and in the in the women that are affected by human trafficking I look up to and admire people like you who are taking action to make an impact on those around them That's essentially what this podcast (laughs) was founded on, the Lord igniting a flame in people that cannot be extinguished. And I thank you again for all that you do. It's noticed and impacting and inspiring so many people. Thank you. I love to end all of our episodes with this question, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. What is something that someone said or did for you that you believe changed the trajectory of your life? Okay. I I love that question too. (laughs) And thanks for giving me a heads up that you were going to ask it so I could think about (laughs) it. So I have two, if I can share two, one um, uh, from long ago and one recent. But over 20 years ago, I was in a Bible study, a Beth Moore Bible study, Mm -hmm. and it was called Believing God. And so I was raised in the church. I always believed in God, always went to church. But it wasn't until that Bible study and Beth Moore really challenged us to not just believe in God, but to believe God. And so I remember leaving Bible study one day and going home and sitting in my window seat and saying, God, if you truly are who you say you are, and if your word is truly inspired, if it's your word, please help me to believe it. And that truly, that day, that time that I spent with him truly changed my life. So I went from not just believing in God, but truly believing him 
in in every aspect. So I think that was that was revolutionary to mm. me to truly believe 100% that his word is true, that he is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do changed my life. Wow. So so that was probably the most important. And then most recently, I've been reading a book by Jamie Winship, I believe his name is, called Living Fearless. Mm. And so he talks about being willing to take risk in life. Like we only get one chance at this life mm-hmm. and to be fearless. And he, he says when you find yourself in situations, any kind of struggling time or whatever, to ask two questions of God God, what is it that you want me to know? Like, what what mm-hmm. do you want me to know here? And what do you want me to do? And then to really listen to that and then respond. And so I think that that's something we can all do. I just don't think things happen in our lives by chance. Um, God is intimately involved in everything that happens in our lives. And I think if we can be super uh, inquisitive Mm. and asking those questions like, God, what do you want me to know here? And then what do you want me to do? Like life could be so incredible for Mm -hmm. for all of us. I think we're all called to live incredible lives. Abundant lives. Yeah. For sure. Oh, that's good. I'm going to take that one. I like that a lot. Thank you again for coming. This was a little out of my comfort zone because we do not know each other. Right. (laughs) So you are my first guest to reach out and and say, hey, will you come do this crazy thing with me? So I appreciate you. I don't know if it was stepping out of your comfort zone, but it was definitely my comfort zone. So, But I have been blessed by our conversation and everything that you and your friends are doing. So thanks again. Well, thank you for having me. Um, Yes, this was definitely outside of my comfort zone. I think I told you when you asked me, I'm like, are you sure you want to? You said that a couple of times. Like, I'm just not that interesting. But you are. Wow. And you have an amazing voice. And I definitely felt called you were supposed to be the one to have the conversation. So I thank you for that. Well, it's an honor. I appreciate it. And I will put um, all of the links in my blog and in my newsletter so you can learn more about Magdalene's and everything that they're doing and how you can help. So thanks again and until then. Thank you so much for listening. If you have been enjoying our episodes and you would like to help support the podcast, please share the episodes with others. Make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen and leave a rating or review. It means the world to me. To catch up on all the latest from me, you can follow me on Ignite Impact Podcast on Facebook and sign up for my weekly newsletter at IgniteImpactPodcast.com. Thanks again and until next time.